time of late and late is a time of fasting and refocusing your way of life actually towards Easter Sunday and it's a period of uh, 45 days if you don't count the Sundays it's 40 so but we usually count the Sundays because for me to have coffee on a Sunday and not again the next day is more torture than just to be for the full 40, 45 days but if you are participating in it and you have felt a little bit different or change in any way, you're also always more than welcome to share that. I'm not sure if there's somebody here who actually at this moment wants to share a length experience. All I can say is due to the fact that I don't drink coffee, I really am struggling to put something else in my face. <laughs> I can not know it's about beer, but I mean. But is there anybody else maybe that wants to share the main story so far? Okay, you know, there's somebody that's still the alarm of us still there. Okay, great. So, um, tonight is one of those conversations that can be one of, of any sort, any kind of feelings can actually come into your, your heart, your mind, or whatever. And, and the thing about that is just to maybe to embrace it rather than to defend it or to justify it. Uh, we actually we live in a culture where you are right until proven wrong. Right? <laughs> Like, everybody is right until you are proven wrong. So, like, one of the big realities the Catholic Church <coughs> needed to face only a few years ago is that Earth really isn't flat. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny, eh? it's funny, but um, they, really, they probably needed to send a priest up just to make sure. Blah, blah, blah. But there's some things in your life that changed and then you realize that I was wrong or I still needed to learn something different. I'm not sure if, if, if it makes sense to you. Um, like, um, I have to be... Like, a good example would be like when you are building a, a puzzle. Uh, I have learned uh, that you can't start in the middle. You always build the border. Right? But if nobody has taught me that, I would have always built a puzzle wrong. So this is an easy example. It's, it's the same thing in, in every simple reality in life. It's like you have to drive a little bit weirder in the rain because it's actually safer Otherwise, you're going to slip because if you're going to speed up, especially like I, the one lesson that I had to learn is I always believed I can go as fast as possible around any corner at any time. It doesn't matter if it's wet or not, I will never slide. Mm -hmm. And then I bought this red bucky, and nobody told me, like, I look really light at the back. <laughs> so uh, I remember going on, to, on the N4 up to the N1, and it's a long term, and it just drained. And, uh, almost ended up making a massive accident with only myself involved uh, and I, I had to face that reality but I was wrong because I can die 
Uh, another thing is like a more a better way of explaining this is when I was young, I always took a pick and pay or a spot back and I pulled it over my shoulders and it was my parachute. <laughs> and I could jump off everything. And then we had this conversation with a friend of ours, uh, Ru, uh, and we had the, he broke his arm by jumping off the cupboard. Like, his mom told him, Mooney sprang me, but he was right because he can fly. And then he jumped off and he broke his arm, and then he told me, like, man, I can't fly. And I said, no, 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 you just couldn't fly anymore. <laughs> so you face the reality of life. And then we find ourselves in a situation today in our own country where we face so many challenges. Where we, um, we get grinded into the floor for making mistakes. We get grinded into the floor uh, for being wrong. For trying something that's not going to work. Um, I knew the day that I wanted to go study theology. Um, I, I just knew that that's something that I need to go and do. And I, I couldn't remember one person um, accepting that to be true. They, everybody always just warned me about the false things in the theology faculty. You know, you're going to lose your faith. And then I told them, well, I'm not sure, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then I actually found out that it is one of the most gracious places on earth where you can go to a professor and tell them, yes, I really struggled in my test because I had a bad breakup. And he will say, it's fine, just come to my office whenever you're ready to rewrite the test. Mm -hmm. eh? Try that in engineering. And it's the same with the church, right? We, we get into situations where we have flown in a direction where things work. And then we get like speed bumps where we realize some things don't work anymore. Or we change our opinion. So a, a perfect example would be for, I remember when I was still young, there was this big movement about church is not a religion, it's a relationship. Then there was this massive conversation around, we're not going to use the oral anymore because that's wrong. We are going to have what? A band. So, and for some people that was a huge Thing to get over, and for others like myself, it was a desperate need of I'm okay. We're gonna have a band because that's how we do it now. And then at the end of the day, I grew up and we started third place and saying, well, we're not gonna have music anymore. We're just gonna have coffee and fellowship. <coughs> and then you have to ask yourself when you're looking back at your own history or your own understanding and growing as well in your relationship with God it's like there were some things that worked that didn't work today anymore and there are things that maybe are going to work in the future that is not going to work today and the reality of that is it's like I had this one mentor who told me like a child up to the age of I think 
1890, uh, asks about over 200 questions a day. And if you're a toddler, even more. And a grown-up, after, let's say, after you've studied or whatever, maybe asks 12 questions a day. And it gets less and less the older you are. Because you get set in your ways. Nobody needs to talk, teach you how to ride a car anymore. Or how to do your work anymore. You know how to do it. And then you get frustrated if somebody else doesn't know how to do it. And it's the same with our own reality, our own spirituality. We, we can get stuck. We, we can get stuck. We can get, come to a place where we realize that this is enough for me now. Don't push me into a new direction. Now, it's always visible in our own lifestyles. Um, I read a post. Uh, there's a lot of posts going through the internet the last few weeks after Cyril Ramaphosa became president about uh, this land, land repossession. Expropriation. And, and the beauty of those conversations is how full, full of emotions they really get. You know, it becomes such a personal thing. And I don't want to go into that at all, but that can happen to each one of us when it comes to our own understanding about church, about Jesus, about life. We sometimes think that it needs to suit us, not them. Jesus needs to suit us, not the other way around. And I'm, I'm going to read out of 1 Timothy tonight. And 1 Timothy is a a pastoral book, you can say it like that. It's, it's a book where Paul writes to a community where he is concerned about their faith. He is concerned about where they are heading to. Now, just for a moment, this is quite early after Jesus, right? Let's say maybe 60, 2060, I'm going to be, be a wild guess in 90 years after Jesus, right? So it's quite fresh. Uh, and and it's, it's interesting to think so early in the church movement, people have already gone astray. Easy. Or are stuck in their old habits. Which maybe we're right at the moment, but is something you need to learn new today. So meaning, it doesn't mean that your understanding about God it's wrong. It is there is more. And and that's that's a thing that we need to change in our community. Around Pretoria, South Africa, politics, economy, what oh spirituality, there is more. And are you and myself open to learn? Uh, to make a, a simple example, I have a friend who told me that he's doing this whole new thing uh, where he wants to start a whole new church and he has to go to a completely new congregation to 
to learn and to follow their ways. And one of their ways of life is like kind of you need to choose one day in the week where you say rest. And his congregation where he's working at is supporting him in this. And then he took his calendar to them and then they saw, but why are you resting on a Friday? It's like, no, this is my new routine in my coaching. And they said, okay, it's fine, but you cannot use that word. It's like, what do you mean? It's just, it won't look right. You have to say busy meetings or whatever, just so that everybody thinks you are doing something, but it's okay with us that you raise. Um, so up to this point I hope it makes sense. So we're going to read from 1 Timothy 5 where Paul writes. And, and it's a beautiful part where he writes about the elders, widows, teachers, um, old men, young men, women that are um, married and not married. He, he encourages Everything. It's like the smallest book on Timothy because it only goes up to chapter 6, but it's loaded with so much care and encouragement and guidance that we can read it over and over again and read, uh, learn from it every single day something new. So I'm not going to read everything. I'm going to read from verse um, 21. I solemnly command you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus and the holy angels to obey these instructions without taking side or showing favoritism to anyone. So to give you a point, just one of the things that he mentions is he's talking, he's talking about respect any elder man as it's your own father. Respect any elder woman as if it's your own mother. Right? Simple thing. Then he goes on by just explaining something interesting by saying like you get you, you then you get different kinds of widows I, I suggest in that time those that are still young and uh, in a moment they can still get married and then you get those that are just too old and they need care so just for a moment yeah if you think back well not think if you if you have read some of the ancient times, traditions and cultures, if you were unmarried woman, you were alone. Uh, if you were young, you were most probably your husband just left you because he found someone else, or you were seen as a prostitute or dirty, and if you were an elderly woman, you were just plainly a nuisance. A, a, a bit of useless reality that's part of reality and now Paul is writing to them encouraging them that you as a community need to do what? start taking care of one another now that sounds fantastic right? but we had this conversation earlier Doing it is a different story. 
Do you, just, just for a moment, okay, this is going to be a little bit awkward. Just maybe look someone in the eye that you don't know. Each person has a story. How deep is your intention to know that story? Because if you have to learn someone else's story, it means you are going to step out of your own comfort zone to become a friend. It's the same with these people. I don't really want to spend time with a widow. Let's be honest, we're all quite young here. And spending time with a widow is like a little bit of wasting time in our culture. There's programs, plans, and places for them. (laughs) Saving. It's just how it works. But the the reality is here is that Paul is encouraging them to realize that these people are part of you. They are part of your community. Now, I don't want to get stuck with the widows. It's most probably one thing that they really struggled with or had a big problem of. But in our communities, in our culture, in our way of life, we don't make time at all for new people. Why would we do that? Most probably the deepest conversations and, and, uh, and friendships you will have is a uh, Facebook reality. Uh, and, and last week, uh, I saw one of my friends with which I met, we actually spoke about it um, when I was 19. That was 2005. I, I met him. And it was like we knew one another for a very long time, yet we only just met. And then our parts, our, our lives parted, he went into a different direction, he's a law felt like me, uh, and I am uh, a Pretoriana. And he went overseas working there. And then I saw a post of him again, which I, I haven't heard from him in. Somebody has to make this math. And I was um, 13 years ago. And it was one of the most fantastic experiences last week. When I just told him, can you just please send me your number? Because for the first time in 13 years, I found you. And we had the greatest conversation, like we we never stopped having a conversation. And the reality of that is, is there's people maybe in this room, in your office, in your students, wherever, where those conversations are really ready to maybe happen. If it's a very uncomfortable situation or not. <laughs> but they are there. The, the choice is just if you are going to make that step. Paul is encouraging these people to do something that is completely out of their culture's perspective. And he's encouraging us to to step out, to do something completely different from what is known towards our culture. It's actually funny uh, to think that we need to be encouraged, because myself as well, to make new friends. It's it's a weird reality. Okay, Paul writes on. 
going to stick to verse 23. Don't drink only water. This is where you can give me an amen. <laughs> you ought to drink a little wine for the sake of your stomach. Sorry, God. Because you are sick so often. Remember, the sins of some people are obvious, leading them to certain judgment. But there are others whose sins will not be revealed until later. In the same way, the good deeds for some people, for some people are obvious, and the good deeds for some are kept in secret. Paul realized that we are going to face a few struggles. So just to, we can take our attention off the wine, just only the wine, eh? and, uh, and, and bring it back to the reality of our friendship, of knowing that there are people you are going to meet that you are not going to want to sit around the same table with at all. But they, in a sense, they love Jesus. I have no idea, like I had one of those experiences last night. We were at the boy myself, we were at the bride, and there was a lot of guys there, old school friends. And I just don't understand the way how they, maybe in a way justifying it. But the thing is that they love Jesus. So will I let my own moral reality stand in the way to care and to be a friend? Or will I have a little bit of wine to temper my stomach and to be a good friend? See, when we see that metaphor in a different way, could understand that maybe Paul is encouraging us here to realize that you are going to get into situations in your life where your stomach maybe is going to turn. I'm not sure if this is the metaphor at all that is going to be. This is me making my own theory of it. But for me it makes sense knowing that some things in life you are going to have to stomach. For a South African today, we have to stomach the past in many ways, good and bad. But the reality is, is, how are we going to treat the future? Now, I've been struggling with a, a, a lot of realities in my own life when it comes to having more than enough. Uh, somebody shot me a a long time ago, saying that if you have a car, you have a car, yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah. a place to stay, yeah, yeah. food to eat, and there was something else. Um, you are 3% of the world's population, people alive. 3% owns a car, a house, and always have more than enough to eat. Sure, it's a little bit more now, maybe that was quite a while ago. But it, once again, it opens up your understanding of your our view is completely different than somebody else. But to be honest, I face a lot of judgment <laughs> and guilt when it comes to that reality. Because having more than enough sometimes make me, I don't know, convicts me. And then I have to ask myself, but why do I need to do now? about this. And Paul actually writes about this, which is cool. 
for me usually it's always just it's I remember the verses. It's uh, it's more difficult for a rich person to go through the need. So what do you call it? I the need right? You you remember those things. And then Paul wrote this, he says, uh, in chapter six, uh, from verse seventeen. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future that they may, may experience true life. So, to take this into a consumption about what Paul is maybe trying to teach the community at the moment. It doesn't matter who you are, how much you have, you have a new way of living, which is more important than anything else. And that is taking care of one another and those you don't know. Which is difficult because it's so much easier for me to take care of my wife and my seven-month-old baby and to take care of somebody else's wife and seven-month-old baby. Right? It will, never, it will never really cross your mind you know, to do that. It would be easier for me, actually, not to take care of, say, Peter or Elsa or like I okay. Because in my mind, they have enough. So I went here so much for them. So we have built these walls about life, you know, how to get. Where Paul is writing, remembering people, when you follow Jesus, there is no more lines. When it comes to any race, any culture, any clubs, there is no more only those who are willing to follow Jesus and embracing everyone for who they are. And maybe the, the person you may be uncomfortably checking in the eyes now have a story that you need to tell to encourage them or that you have to listen about their story for encouragement. But you will never know if you never ask. And they will never know if you never tell. And Paul is writing to them saying that I give you like the full blessing and uh, the beauty of the story to us and tell. Um, to end off, like one of the deepest uh, sorrows in, in my life is to deal with the pain of my mom <coughs> after my dad's passing. And I like she will turn off her phones on weekends. Um, 
um, just, you know, she'll just close herself in the house and then she will always tell me she has this um, verwachting, expectation, that maybe Monday morning he will open the door. And um, it never happens. And then today uh, I had Leah made for myself and we went to visit my mom. But now the fact that she won't, she won't answer or open up over the weekends until we've maybe organized it early in the week, um, I have to climb over the gate <laughs> with Leah made. So it's uh, like a weird guy climbing over the door with his head for maybe in his hand. <laughs> Well, it's like, for me it's fun, I'm sure for somebody else driving in Pretoria or Earth to buy in this gate, it's like, oh, there was no bull security now. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, and the great thing about this is she won't be able to feel better if I don't go and visit her. And she wouldn't be able to tell me that she's really had a backpack day if I'm not there to ask her how she feels. And for me, when I read this Timothy and he talks so much about the widows and reflecting on my mom's life, that maybe, in a, in a sense, if we take the, to, to end off, to take the, the widow, the word widow, as a metaphor, we are all widows in a way. And we all need care. And we all need support. But you cannot only wait for that until something bad happens. You have to be that support. Mm -hmm. And you need to give that support. And the most important thing is you need to ask for that support. Because I cannot read your mind. I'm not sure if there's anybody else here who mastered that. <laughs> Reading someone's mind. But um, the only way that we will know is if talk and if you're really uncomfortable by meeting new people then uh, Christian actually just reminded me when we were standing there in front of the, um, the coffee pots just looking at them that uh, one of the easiest way to make friends uh, and to get to know people and form a great bond is around a meal So, and everybody loves food. <laughs> so if you don't know how to take the step which Paul is encouraging us to take, maybe just start by a KFC meal. <laughs> Something easy. But start. Or you are going to be trapped for the rest of your life and you are going to end up to be alone and then you're going to have this massive question somewhere somewhere in your life Jesus where have you been and he's going to tell you I'm tired and then he's going to say but I do not feel it and he's going to tell you it's okay ask the person next to you to touch you and you will feel my hand So guys, may you have a fantastic week where you 
take up a new reality, a responsibility of making a new friend. Or becoming a new friend <coughs> towards someone else. Not on the Facebook page. In life. In reality. Come as bit so. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that in evenings like these, you can remind us that we all need to be loved, need to be guided, need to be strengthened through friends, family, and even strangers. I pray, Lord, that in this in this week that we may remind ourselves that as we are walking towards the Easter weekend, we will take new friends, old friends with us. That we will remind ourselves that you are with us, even though we cannot feel your presence. But that we will share and love and give out of our abundance and out of our frustrations. Because we are following you and not our own ambitions. May our lives be open to learn more from you. From one another. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.